Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. You're about to hear a favorite from the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze archive. This show originally aired in 2019. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We're going to teach you how to throw together easy, delicious meals straight from the fridge and kitchen cabinets. No extra shopping, no kidding. If you stock the right stuff on a regular basis, less stress, we promise. We're in our studios at the Big G Gateway Community College in downtown New Haven, Are you ready to hear how my treasured food buddies make their no-stress dinner meals thrown together from the fridge, the cabinets, the freezer? Plus, we have a new edition of a cookbook that is a classic for fast, easy, delicious meals on the fly. Pam Anderson will join us later to talk about her new edition of How to Cook Without a Book. In the end, that's what we're talking about. Hey, everybody. Hey, Hey, Faith. Faith. Hey, Faith. Okay. Chris Prosperi, you write a column in the Hartford Current about home cooking, and you and Linda Juke, I think you do a fantastic job at that, I have to say. But also, you're a professional chef and you have a restaurant. How can we throw together something based on what's in the fridge and in the so-called pantry? Oh, I'm the best for this because, like most chefs, I keep no food at home, bare minimal, because I always bring food home. But in a pinch or late at night or the occasional snowstorms that we get here. Or you can do this on purpose. Or on purpose. The meal that I keep on hand that's really fast and easy is pasta with clam sauce. And it's all canned, jarred pantry stuff. Start with some garlic, saute it within a little olive oil. If I have an onion, I'll put it in there. If I don't, I don't. I keep an eight-ounce jar of clam juice Mm -hmm. and then a little can. I think it's four ounces of chopped clams. Just saute. You get a can? You don't go to the fish market and all that business? No, no, because this is last minute. So it's really easy. I pour in the clam juice. I'm cooking my pasta, of course, on the side. It's whatever I have on hand. As soon as I'm almost ready to put my pasta in, I throw in the clams. Then I toss my cooked pasta in. I put a nub of butter if I have it, maybe a little extra olive oil. And then the only thing left, I always keep some grated cheese. You buy it in the bags in the grocery store, the already grated ones that Uh they do for you. So a little uh, Pecorino Romano cheese over the top and I'm done. And it's heaven. You know how we all say, I call this hurricane food because you're pulling things off the shelf? I think we should call this on purpose food because this is a great way to cook on any weeknight. That's our point about yeah. this show. And I have to throw in one thing. I learned how to make this in high school from my auto shop teacher in <laughs> the auto shop. So this is why. And he kept those ingredients in the shop. And we cooked it on a little 
burner, you know, electric burner that he kept like in a the, hot plate? like a hot plate and I a pot. I thought you were going to say a blowtorch. No, no, a little <laughs> hot plate he cooked with. It was a two burner hot plate, one for the boiling water and one for the sauce. <laughs> and I'm like, phenomenal. if you can make that in the shop, Teacher. then I can make this. It's one of the reasons I became a chef. Today, wouldn't you hmm. get thrown out? I'm sure you'd get thrown <laughs> out. <for the laughs> if you tried to make linguine and Why does it always sauce? smell like pasta in there? <laughs> <laughs> Are they working on cars? I feel so Italian. <laughs> Ciao, everyone. <laughs> um, okay, so I love that. That's a great way to start. Senior producer Robin Julian Aiken, I know that you arrive home after a jam-packed day here, and you're cooking for the family. What is your go-to rush hour meal? My daughter Violet says I'm the queen of meat and cheese. So I always have those two things, a pound of ground meat. It could be beef. It could be chicken. It could be turkey. I'm going to usually doctor up a jarred sauce and make some kind of meat sauce, and, and I'll put a few extra herbs in there. The kids so, uh, love it, and they think it's fancy. You're browning, say, hamburger. Yes, I will brown the beef ahead of time. I use mm. that ground beef usually a couple of times in that week because I'm going to doctor things up. So it might take the form of a meat sauce. But then my other go-to is I'll take the ground meat, and I will add one pepper, one onion, one clove of garlic, one can of whole plum tomatoes, and that becomes the stuffing for stuffed peppers. I will put some cheese on top of that, too, because it's a little more appealing for the kids. So, yeah, oh, that's of my course. go-to. And your, your kids eat stuffed peppers, obviously. Well, my they little one, yes, exactly. <laughs> I get double the peppers when I'm eating with my son, Evan, because he won't eat the peppers, but he does love the filling, and then I just make him have a different veggie. I love mm, this. is also So one. far, I love it. This is it. All right. Now, from our sister station, KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona, senior contributor Alex Province, my food buddy. You know how this works, Alex. You're not allowed to shop. That's the point of this. This is mm. uh, stuff that you've pre-bought. You're just stocking your fridge or your cabinets. You know, what's fast and delicious? Matt and I at home here in Arizona, we will always start with leftovers. So we'll go through and we'll have like boxes of leftovers from the week. We'll turn them into like street tacos. <laughs> so, mm, so if how there's do you do rice, it? if there's rice left over from Chinese, we'll saute that with Mexican spices. If there's a little piece of meat, we'll chop it into tiny little pieces, whether it's chicken or leftover beef or a pork chop. You add some chili powder, some garlic powder, onion powder, salt, cumin. So on a screaming hot wok, you just continually stir until all the meat gets so crispy. We always have tortillas like flour or corn in the refrigerator. You put that, the meat mixture on one of those with some cheese, sour cream, and whatever veggies you can find, and salsa, and you've got like a little Mexican dinner, and it oftentimes tastes better than the you know, the original leftovers. I, nice. I, I know, and I love the idea of just having the courage to chop things up, and they do taste delicious. Mm. And by the way, everybody, did you know that you can freeze rice? When you have leftover oh, wow. cooked rice, lots of times people put it in the refrigerator, planning to use it somehow. And you, you know, <laughs> yeah. two weeks later, you say, "Where are these little <laughs> nuggets in here?" You can put those in the freezer, and they're perfectly fine. Yeah. It's a great tip. just a Ziploc bag. Sure, yeah, Chris. Bag. So, how would you bring frozen rice back to life? Microwave. A little bit of water. I put it in a microwave dish. A little bit of water in it. Cover it, paper towel, and then throw it in the microwave. 
the cool things if you do like Alex says and put it in a bag, you can do it from frozen. It's exactly what I do, and I just did it this week. This is a favorite on-purpose meal for me and any friend who is, you know, courageous enough to stop by on a weeknight. <laughs> I stock up in my cabinets cans of olive oil tuna. I've always got at least six cans of that. And then I always have either red and white onions, both probably. I always buy a bunch of pitted olives, lemons and limes. You'll always find them in the refrigerator drawer. I always have olive oil, rice, pasta. I buy several things of lettuce I always have a hunk of Parmesan and usually feta. Mm. So here's what I do. This time, I had leftover rice. I put a little water in it, put it in the microwave with a paper towel over, just like Chris said. Okay, so that's warm. I open a can, depending if it's just for myself or I have a friend stopping by, a can or two of tuna and olive oil. If I'm making the rice, it takes a half hour for that to cook. Well, I don't have an Instant Pot. Um, It goes in a a bowl, and then I put the olive oil tuna in on top of it. I add some chopped red onion. I chop up a few of those pitted Kalamata olives or green olives. It doesn't matter if you like olives. I take cherry tomatoes. I always have a container hanging around. But you can use canned tomatoes. Squeeze them with your fingers and throw them into the thing. I use cherry tomatoes. Cut them in half. Throw it into this mixture. Squeeze a fresh lemon juice. I mix it all up together. And then I grate. I take that block of Parmesan. Chris, you you get it already grated. Mm -hmm. I just grate it over the top chunk of bread that's hanging around or corn tortillas that I keep in the yeah. freezer. It's a wonderful Simple meal. and quick. Mm. It's so fast, so easy, so delicious, and I feel so Mediterranean. <laughs> it sounds so Provencal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spanish I, even. <laughs> I just need that boxed rosé is what I need. Um, okay, so we have lots more no stress, no shopping dinner meals, meaning you shop Weeks before, we're not talking about planning everything. You just say to yourself, what What are five things that can be go-to items? You hear us, we're mentioning rice. Help me out on this, yeah, folks. Pasta. Eggs. Pasta. Eggs. Canned beans. Garlic. Yeah. Yeah, garlic. Clams. Can of tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Chopped or I get whole. six yeah. of those if you can. Buy them get on them sale. On, get them on sale. Yep. Exactly. A cheese drawer. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, some kind of Parmesan. <laughs> no, it doesn't yeah. have to be a lot of things, either a block yeah. of Parmesan or some grated parm, whatever. Just Even those old, cheese. ugly bits, yeah. 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 In a little while, we're excited to have Pam Anderson with us because she's updated her beloved classic, How to Cook Without a Book. She has a million ideas. She's got something called shove it in the oven stew. <laughs> so we're going to talk about, you, you might wonder, like what's name. that formula? That's coming your way. So if you had to stop at the grocery store as you listen to this or if you're thinking, I don't have anything, just zero in on what we're doing. We're pulling things off the shelf. If you put your core favorites into it, probably it's going to work out to be pretty good. Okay, let's go around again. Chris, give me another one. This is on purpose, easy, easy. no stress, weeknight. 
out of the cabinet yeah. or out of the fridge cooking. Yeah. This is also one that if I get invited to a party or an outside event in the summer and I have to bring something and I didn't prepare for it, I use this one too. And it's a bean salad. And I look really fancy because I always buy different colored and shaped beans. Canned. Two, yeah, You're talking canned, about canned beans. Canned beans, like two for a dollar or whatever it is. And you just buy a bunch of different ones like pink beans and pinto beans and black beans and cannellini beans and chickpeas. I'll take four or five of them in a colander, just give them a quick rinse, throw them in a bowl. If I have a pepper in there, I'll chop that in. Or if it's just celery and onion, I'll chop that in. Or if I have a bunch of scallions. So just some kind of crunchy vegetables. It could be carrots. doesn't matter. Uh-huh. And then I always keep turkey pepperoni. That's another trick of mine. Chop it up, right? They're already sliced. And then Newman's own Caesar salad dressing. Oh. I tell you, it is the best bean salad you'll ever have in your life. And uh. just pour the Caesar, the, the Newman's <laughs> own Caesar salad dressing <laughs> and just give it a stir. I brought it to a party once. People were like, oh, my God, because I'm a chef. They think I cooked all the different beans separately. <laughs> And, and I made this dressing and, you know, what did I cure wow. the meats to? No, it's turkey pepperoni. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, or so. even if you left the meat out yeah. for a plant-based yeah, totally. eater, this is awesome. Yeah. You could put in some tofu yeah, if you whatever. wanted. Yeah, or... Whatever you had. All you really need to have is the canned beans and now, the dressing. You said summer. Of course we could have this year round, Oh, right? yeah, totally. This is a yeah. fun thing. And if you serve it with my favorite tortillas. Yeah, it's like a dip. The kids would love <laughs> yeah. it. You can make tortillas out of this bean thing. Robin, do you have another one for us? When you're super busy and the kids have to go to practice, moms know this. We always go for breakfast for dinner. I can always get someone to have a couple of eggs, scrambled egg, fried egg, whatever. But recently, yeah, recently I'd made, and they're so fun, you know the egg cups. You know, when when you mix the eggs in a bowl and you add cherry tomatoes chopped up, spinach or feta, and then you put them in a cupcake tin... I didn't have to go shopping for any of the ingredients that I made these little frittatas. Can I add on to yours? So every morning I do this. I take, you know, one of those, we call them prep dishes. Either it's anchor, hocking, glass, or it's a little white one, Mm -hmm. a little ramekin. First I oil it with olive oil. I crack two eggs a little sprinkle of feta or chop a couple cherry tomatoes or whatever, and I stick it into the microwave. I do the same thing. You do? Totally. Minute, Mm. you know, minute, 30 seconds. And then you can turn it out and put it on a plate. I just eat it with a spoon spoon. out of there. There's no appealing of my hard-boiled eggs anymore. No, I love it. There's not a reason in the world that you can't serve that as the core of yeah. a dinner plate mm-hmm. with a lot of other stuff around it. Maybe tortilla chips on and salsa and kids would really think that was fun. People give the microwave a bad rap. I'm using it all the time for simple stuff like this. It really is the most amazing kitchen tool. Alex Province, what do you have? All right. Mine's kind of like Robin. A go-to is always a cheese omelet. So easy. Egg zero is there and you can use whatever kind of cheese. But a Spanish one that my mom, I grew up with my mom doing is if you just take a saute pan with some olive oil and you slice garlic. So don't mince it. Just do little slivers. And you put that in the olive oil and you kind of let the oil absorb all the flavor of the garlic without burning it. And then you take just some spinach, the washed spinach that everyone always has a box of in the refrigerator, 
put that into the saute pan and cover it until the spinach just kind of wilts. Then we'll just take an egg in a bowl, whisk it, whisk it, whisk it, and drizzle it over the cooked spinach. And then you use a little spatula and you kind of mix it all together with a little touch of salt, a little pepper. And then that onto a plate is this just beautiful little Spanish or Italian style. I don't know what it's even called, but so good. And wow, that too. is good. So far, I eat every single thing that everybody has talked <laughs> about. I'd be thrilled out of my mind to have this. At my house, I keep a box of turkey burgers in the freezer. Ooh. Every other night, I will take a pack out and put it in the refrigerator. Of two. Of two, yeah. because I know I'm going to do something. Ah. I need a, a, a little tiny bit of protein sure, sure. no matter what I end mm-hmm. up doing. Yeah. One of my standard things is baba ganoush, which is oh, smoked yeah. eggplant with garlic and yeah. you know, spices. I would fry up the turkey burgers and then smear it with, with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. one thing. But my kind of go-to thing I always have around is feta, kalamata olives, mm-hmm. Lemon, as I mentioned, usually there'll be a couple potatoes lying around, whatever veg is around, say asparagus or a can of artichoke hearts, and I'll saute them in olive oil for a little while, and that's it. I do something on top of the turkey burgers, so this harissa that I always have, and it's not hot, but it's spicy, so there's no heat to it. And I smear that on the turkey burgers and I toss the vegetables with it, hunk of bread, Mm. I'm good to go. It's just so easy. I've got my little bit of protein and I've got my Mediterranean vegetable action going on with a sauce. It makes me think, why do we work so hard when we have friends and family over for dinner? You have to like plan all these things and it's like these 40 (laughs) trips to like specialty markets and you have to find this weird fish from, you know, Australia and the, the meat has to be from wherever and and really if you just did something like what you're talking about you could spend so much more time with your family and friends and I guarantee they'd be blown away by what you made for them. Well, here's you know I have a bunch of friends who are chefs, right? So it's every time I'm putting out something I'm a little nervous about it. I've got this one chef friend and I'm scared to death so I have my turkey burgers and I think, "Oh, what am I going to do? And she takes one look at it, and she's she's very honest, and she said, uh, Faith, I'm not, I'm not eating that. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. You know, it looks sad, the turkey bird. <laughs> oh. So I went and got the Palacios oh, chorizo, chorizo sure, sure. Uh-huh. slice it thin, or yeah. chunk it up, put yeah. it in the pan. It releases all that oh, orange yeah. paprika oil, oh, crisps yeah. up. Then I, you know, like remake the burger with the chorizo and the oh, oil yeah. and everything. And then she's happy. The turkey it burger tastes work. like yeah. something. And, and you didn't do much. You just added a little chorizo to it and toasted the buns and butter. That's it's, nothing. It's what you're talking about. And she said, yeah. she just nodded like, yeah, okay, this is acceptable. All right, you're right. <laughs> That's no. more than acceptable. <laughs> It's so funny. (laughs) Coming up on our show in a little while, we're still going to do some more brainstorming with you. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. And I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. Don't forget, Pam Anderson is with us. How to Cook Without a Book, the kinds of recipes we're talking about now. We are online at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back.
listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2019. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'm Faith Middleton. You can sign up for our free podcast, which is a copy of the show. It arrives in your inbox, and you can listen anytime you want. That's the point. It's like having your own little channel. You can go back to something, refer to it, but you can hear it when you want, depending on what you're doing. Maybe you're exercising. Maybe you're in the car. No matter what it is, that's why people get the podcast. Thousands of people get our podcast, and we are so excited about that. You know, it makes us proud to spread the word of what I call the stars in our our galaxy out there in our region. Just go to foodschmooze.org or go wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll see Faith Middleton Foodschmooze. And Faith, we have lots of listeners out here in Arizona, too. Hey! Catching the podcast. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Alex is in Arizona, if you're just joining us, and he's, he's in Connecticut and Arizona now because of his husband's work. So we have the fun of hearing what's going on in Arizona, and they find out what's going on here. It's We like it. So you know what we're doing on the show? We're doing no-stress cooking on a weeknight, nothing too exotic. You just throw things in your refrigerator and your cabinets, your pantry, if you're lucky enough to have one. Don't be afraid. You know, you don't have to do a whole bunch of crazy Chinese ingredients that you might not understand or crazy Indian ingredients you might not understand. Maybe we'll ask you to get a little Indian spice if you want or maybe a little soy sauce Mm -hmm. or something like that. That's as exotic as you have to get. If you want to give it a little international flavor, you can just sprinkle a little of this stuff on a piece of fish and <laughs> throw it in the oven. Chris, give us something you would do, no stress cooking on a weeknight. I always keep those little round corn tortillas. Yes, I right? do. I either too. keep them uh, packaged in my freezer or I keep them in the refrigerator. Stack. Yeah, big stack of them. And I always keep, believe it or not, American cheese. Yeah. I love craft or whatever brand. <laughs> American proud of that. I'm clapping I'm proud for of that. I love it. So it's really quick quesadilla. Preheat the oven a little bit. And I don't even put anything down on the cookie sheet. I just put the tortillas right on them because they've got a little bit of oil in them when they make them. Oh. So they kind of self-grease and they don't really stick. You just have to make sure not too much cheese. Right? I believe that's yeah. lard. But yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. No, I love it. <laughs> so I love good. it. Oh, my God. Right. So American cheese down on top of the tortilla and then whatever's in the fridge. If you have some, uh, I don't know, leftover rotisserie chicken or shrimp from the night before or any kind of vegetables you had cooked, like cooked broccoli Mm -hmm. or whatever, just chop it up a little bit, throw it on top and then another piece of cheese, another tortilla and then it bakes in the oven. I usually do 425 so it's nice and hot until they get crispy and then I cut them in half, let them cool a little bit and you just eat them Mm. with your hands. They're oh, heaven, and that's the ki- a good one. and if you have kids coming over, that's just Never put a mind. stack 
of them and let them go. If you have me, <laughs> how about me coming over? Yeah. This is me, coming that over. sounds so good. And it can just be Yum. with cheese too. I do that too. Oh, or yeah, if I, or too. if I had your pantry with the olives, I would put some olives and cheese. Oh yeah, oh, this is so. You know how sometimes you you have a rotisserie chicken left over. This tortilla thing in the oven is such a wonderful way to go with what you're describing to make a chicken quesadilla. Yeah. You might have some cans of red peppers or sure. whatever you have. Or beans Love or whatever that. you want. That's terrific. Yeah. Robin Doyen Aiken. It's not super, super quick, but everyone has right now in their pantry or their fridge all the ingredients they need to make a shepherd's pie. And that is my, Ooh. like, it's my comfort food go-to, and I love mm. it. You can make a big pan of it. You could do a bread loaf You're size. saying it's easy. It's no stress. So how do you do it the no stress way? So I've got some ground meat already in my refrigerator. I'm going to mash some potatoes, a bag of frozen corn, a bag of frozen peas, a pepper, an onion. We always have that. That's all that goes in. And you make a big sort of casserole. Mashed potatoes it. over the oh top with God. some butter. Oh, good. Heaven. Like a perfect Tuesday I th- night. I think you yeah. should test it here. Yeah. We're, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It bakes up. Next Thursday seems to be a good day. <laughs> it bakes up in 30 minutes. Everything's nice and warm. Yeah. And mm. people feel really nourished good. by it. It smells good, too. I was, right? just, I was yeah. just thinking here. We had tested this wine on the show. I'm going to tell you about it now that we have this chance. The name of it is, this is from the Rhone region, Domaine La Fonte de Notre Dame. And Domaine is house, so it's the house, it's the vineyard called the Fountain of Notre Dame. That's really what they're saying. Anyway, it's on our website, bluechmas.org. <laughs> and this Rhone, it has a kind of richness to it and yet a little spark of joy in there, would you say? Alex and a little spice. <laughs> yes, spice. The region, can you just describe what part of the Rhone? It's the south of France, and Cote d'Aron's a big region. And then the little place where it comes from is called Rasteau. It's a hilltop why, village. Why is this one elegant? This is about $20, and that is a kind of cutoff for some people, a lot of people. Occasion. Special this, occasion. This is good. This is a nice wine. If some people are coming over, you want to have a nice weekend. What makes this have that velvety feel, something we would describe when you have that little velvety thing going on in your mouth, you say to yourself, oh, this is elegant. What makes that happen in this one? It's the Grenache. Yeah, Grenache is, it's mostly Grenache with a little Mm. Syrah, but Grenache is so soft and velvety and it's being grown in the south of France. It's so warm. It's like 300 days of sunlight. So it's just juicy and soft without any of that like bitter components that you find in like Cabernet. 80% 80% of this wine is that Grenache, mm-hmm. and it, it has that sort of soft, yeah, luxurious velvety, feel yeah. to it. It's both elegant and friendly, and that's a hard combination even in people. So that, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use that. Not these people. <laughs> you know, so, so I find sometimes people are American wine drinkers or New World wine drinkers, or you have French wine drinkers or European wine drinkers, but this one sort of bridges the gap. For people who don't know what you mean by that, what do you it mean? It is not sugar. I don't mean sugar. But when you think of wine, in California, it tastes like grapes. It's, it's grapeier. 
Yeah, it, it tastes like you fermented grape juice. In Europe, they oh, he's starting yeah, a fight they, now. You, you start getting leather and saddle, and it's much drier. It's a totally different style. So people that are into wine can kind of do both. But I find like people who grew up with California wines, you know, when they drink say a French wine, they're not used to it, and vice versa, right? If you bring California wine to Europe, they don't exactly know what to think. But this is a style of wine that bridges a gap. So if you're with a group of people, well <laughs> am I getting too complicated? No, I like it. <laughs> no, <laughs> kicked no, me. <laughs> I think, oh, not at all. No, no, I'm thinking to myself, some people, steam is coming like right off oh, the head I, I, into uh, the I, air. I, I could feel the air getting warmer. <laughs> but I agree with them 100%. Oh, I, listen, yeah. I, I was trained in the beginning with French wine yeah. for five years, and then I started with different countries, other Spain and then Italy and then sure. so I know exactly what you're talking about, although let's just say before people explode, there are exceptions to, to this idea that all the fruit bombs are in California. Oh sure. And yeah. there oh. are no elegant uh, wines and elegant yeah, wines in California. Tons of, of course you're yeah, right. Yeah. And I do like both. I like a fruit forward so Pinot Noir oh, yeah. with that with Bing cherry pig. thing yeah. going on that yeah. feels so juicy and joyous. Mm-hmm. And I love this kind of gorgeousy thing that you have here, this La Font de Notre Dame, beautiful Rhone wine. All right, let's come full circle right back to what's the easy way to do a dinner on a weeknight right out of your refrigerator, your freezer, and your pantry. Mm-hmm. Alex, what do you have? So I grew up with lentils as a comfort food. You know, when I think of comfort, I think of lentils. And people think they take a long time to cook. But if you use the tiny ones, the puy, the ones from France, those like little green ones, and you can get them anywhere now. They're not fancy and they're not expensive. If you just take these little lentils in a saucepan, you just add some water, some stock, and a carrot, and a half an onion, and a bay leaf, a little salt, pepper, and you cook these lentils for like 20 or 30 minutes you end up with this like gorgeous, almost like pea soup. And that with crusty bread, the house smells good, and lentils have a lot of protein. So, Faith, you're getting your like, protein in there. And just comforting. So yeah, good. hearty. Really I like hearty. that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's no stress, it seems to me. I would like to do a shout-out and to celebrate Food 52. I love, love what they do. I love their cookbooks. I have website. one of their cookbooks, yeah. and I, I love Great your pictures. website. I love could their products now, too. just go berserk making one dish after the next. You're not going to believe this. This is from Food 52. This was online. It's how to make one ingredient ice cream. <laughs> I did say <laughs> one yeah, ingredient. When you sent me the email, and it's like, no way. Uh-huh. Come on. No such thing. And what did you say, Alex, on the phone? I said, I'm going to the freezer doing my one ingredient, haagen <laughs> <laughs> That works, too. <laughs> if you want a no-stress dessert, all you do is freeze bananas. For vegan lovers... It's like amazing. So you get a bunch of bananas, you peel them all, you cut them up in small pieces, and you freeze those small pieces of banana for one to two hours. You can do it on a plate or a tray, Chris, you were mentioning. You can leave them in the freezer indefinitely. And then you just let them thaw a little bit before you make the ice cream because you're done. (laughs) You blend, blend, blend that 
almost just shy of frozen bananas in your food processor. It keeps scraping down the bowl, and it turns into ice cream. I'm telling you, you can, yes, add in other things. So if you want to mix in other fruits and nuts, nut butters, chocolate chips, anything you want can go in there, and you can have this banana something else ice cream. Is magic involved? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I can see it having that texture. People wrote into them, and one woman said, oh, this is great on the glycemic index. Mm. Someone else put a shot of gin in it. That's Uh, a good one. Let me see. There's always that person. (laughs) Somebody put in blackberries. It's got a, a real thing going online, and some people were saying, no, you've got to toast the nuts before you put them in. I loved what people did, but how incredible is that? Very cool. Thank you, Food 52, for spreading the word on this. The original recipe, this is like shout-out to shout-out to shout-out. <laughs> we're thanking Food 52. They were thanking the originator of this recipe, the blog The Kitchen. And that's K-I-T-C-H-N. They deserve all the credit (laughs) and that they are the originator. They are the ancestor of all of this. So the one ingredient ice cream dish. Very proud to be part of that game of telephone to give you that. Coming up, we have Pam Anderson's new edition of How to Cook Without a Book. So stay with us for that. We love the local. We ask you to support your local food growers and food makers. We'll be right back. Dinner bell, dinner bell, do the bell thing. I'm waiting for the dinner bell to do the bell thing. Dinner bell, dinner bell, ding, ding, ding. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This show originally aired in 2019. I'm Faith Middleton. This is the Food Moose Party offering the richness of life. And coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York. New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, the Hamptons, of course. The senior producer is Robin Doyen Aiken. And to hear this show on Connecticut Public Radio, it airs Thursdays at 3 and podcasts, etc. foodschmooze.org. We've been telling you this is coming, and here it is. I wonder if you remember a book. I have to say that this was a genius thing to do, to ask the author Pam Anderson, who's been on our show before, talking, of course, about her book, How to Cook Without a Book. This has been revised and updated with all kinds of new stuff in it, and it's How to Cook Out of the Freezer, the Refrigerator, the Pantry, and on a weeknight This is how you do no-stress cooking. If you're new to Pam, she is a best-selling author. She has eight cookbooks, the Julia Child Award-winning The Perfect Recipe, How to Cook Without a Book was a James Beard-nominated book. 
lots and lots of awards, and she has been AARP's official food expert. So here it is, the revised edition, and wait till you hear these ideas. Pam, welcome back to the Food Schmooks Party. So great to be with you, Faith. Okay, let's get into this. When you first did this book, you were a little bit ahead of the curve. You were introducing the idea to us, and now people desperately need ideas for throwing things together. Do you think I have that right? Yeah, you do. The concept for this book came 20 years ago when I was one of those young commuting mothers. I was in Connecticut commuting into New York, two and a half hour round trip walking in the door at 6.45 at night with two young, hungry children and a recipe-challenged husband. And I would open the, the refrigerator and just kind of stare. I, I saw individual ingredients, but I didn't know exactly how to put them together without researching a recipe. At that point, it was a lot of cookbooks, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, how is it that my mom and my grandmother were so easily able to get dinner on the table at night? And I realized they had, in fact internalized a set of techniques and formulas. They took the ingredients that they had, what was on sale, what happened to be in the fridge. They had a lot more time on their hand and a lot fewer ingredients. So what I realized that I needed to do was to come up with my own set of techniques and formulas that worked for the time that I had and the vast array of ingredients that were available to me. That brings us to something that we just tried on the show. It's your tomato sauce formula. Now, you might think to yourself, are you kidding me? I'm going to come home from work and make a tomato sauce. But tell us how you do this. And thank you, by the way, for letting us put this on the website. This is really kind of a takeoff from the previous book. 18 years ago, I made the formula with one can of tomatoes. Over time, I realized, why am I doing this night after night with one can of tomatoes? It's just as easy, almost as easy anyway, to take four cans and make a simple tomato sauce. And really, it's just three or four ingredients, a little garlic, some pepper flake if you like, sautéed in a little bit of oil. And then you add your canned tomatoes, canned crushed tomatoes. And you can either use garlic, as I suggested, or you can do the mirepoix of onions, celery, and carrot. And from those two, you can obviously serve a very simple tomato sauce over some gnocchi, some pasta on your first night. And then you can disguise those other two quarts of tomato sauce so that you actually get three dinners out of one recipe of tomato sauce. And this tomato sauce is just really simple. So it's not one of these long simmering, you know, hour, two hour projects. You saute the garlic, you dump in the tomatoes, you simmer for 20 minutes, you're done. You either have some cheese and crackers or give the kids some cheese and crackers and there's your 20 minutes right there. Okay, Chris, now you made Pam's tomato sauce and then you turned it into something else. Tell us what you did because it was just so delicious. Yeah, I used her tiki marsala instructions. And it's so simple. It doesn't even require a book or a recipe, right? It's just (laughs) all you do. First, you start with your chicken. Pam uses uh, skinless chicken thighs, which I love. And you sprinkle a little bit of coriander and cumin on those. Serum. Get them cooking on both sides. Take them out and you add onion and fresh grated ginger. Once that cooks a little bit, you throw in the quart of her tomato sauce. And this is where you add a can of coconut milk. Then I put the chicken back in the pan, simmer it for 10 minutes, 
finish it with cilantro. And if you are even more stressed than we think, you could just, when you're at, I don't know, Trader Joe's or wherever you are, buy a whole bunch of cans of Indian sauce and put them in the pan with your chicken pieces. Right, Chris? And there you go. This was a great one. This was delicious, Pam. I think what a lot of people think when they make tomato sauce, they always got to go Italian. Well, I came up with four or five soups that you can make, just standard cream of tomato soup. You can make chili. Once you've got that base of that tomato, garlic, olive oil, or that tomato, onions, carrots, and celery, you can use that base to create dishes, and nobody will suspect that it all comes from that same tomato sauce. I love that, Pam. Alex, I like the idea that following that tomato sauce recipe, you can do a kind of Greek style, do a quick bolognese by doing some hamburger in the pan, do scallops and bacon, Throw an egg in. Red clam sauce, sausage and peppers and egg, do a vodka Mm. sauce, serve it over rice instead of pasta. I really like that. Chris, do you have one more thing? Yeah, she has a Manhattan clam chowder. So if you have those canned clams around, right, you can make a clam chowder very easily with the rest of that tomato sauce. We love those. Even an English muffin, right? (laughs) (laughs) Pitch. Yeah. For lunch, a little parm. Seriously, <laughs> little little pizzas. Uh, before you joined us, Pam, Alex was talking about doing a stir fry. He happens yeah. to have a wok. You can do it in just a regular old fry pan. It doesn't matter. So you've got a section stir fry formula. You say, here's the basic concept of how to do this, and then you can turn it into a whole bunch of things. Tell us about this. I call that chapter weeknight take-in, but instead of take-out, it's take-in. I mean, you can just basically become your own Chinese restaurant. As long as you've got a pound of protein, and that protein can be shrimp or steak or chicken or tofu, a pound of vegetables, and I use some firm vegetables and some tender vegetables, an onion, a tablespoon each of garlic and ginger, and then your flavoring sauce. And I give you like 10 or 12 flavoring sauces so that you can create your own personalized stir-fry, again, based on what you've got around as opposed to some what some recipe tells you, you you need to have. You're used to working with these flavors a lot. And, of course, I've got soy sauce and I've got sesame oil, two of my favorite things. Then when it comes to things like oyster sauce and ponzu and a bunch of other ones, I'm, I'm looking at them thinking, I'm not exactly sure how much of this I'm supposed to use. Should I use the right. black beans in this one? You've got recipes, simple, simple ones here. But of all yeah. these jarred things, what would be the go-to Chinese flavors you'd want in your pantry that wouldn't make you confused or have to look up a book? Definitely rice wine vinegar, for sure. Soy sauce, dark and regular. If you don't have dark soy sauce, which most grocery stores are carrying that now, but I use two tablespoons each of molasses and soy sauce to replicate that dark soy sauce. Oh, I'm all about using basic grocery store ingredients so you don't end up with those jars that are about 10 years old in your pantry or your refrigerator taking up space. Get a few, and then a lot of my flavoring sauces have got things like coconut milk and curry powder and sugar and herbs and lemon juice and lemon zest and pineapple juice. And But the other thing I would make sure I always had on hand is toasted sesame oil. Let me give you a compliment because in your flavoring sauce section, you have a spicy orange flavoring sauce 
and you mm-hmm. call for the dark soy sauce, if, what, if you have some kind of soy sauce on the shelf, good for you. Um, yes. The sesame oil is the thing you drizzle on last because you don't cook with that. And then you can put in a couple red pepper flakes if the people at yep. the table can tolerate it. But here is the thing that I loved. A few tablespoons of orange juice concentrate to give it yep. that orange flavoring. Because yes, what if you don't yep. have oranges in the refrigerator? Yes. I am your average home cook. It's really meant for people like me that love to eat well but don't have a lot of time to spend procuring special ingredients. And during the week, I just want to go in and know what I'm doing and move straight to the stove. And one of my tips for people, I know we're all the same. You know, you walk in the kitchen, sometimes you feel like cooking, sometimes you don't. In my yoga class, they always say, leave your yoga mat out because it invites you to practice every day. And I think the same thing is true about leaving a pot on the stove. It just invites you to come in and start cooking. Hmm. You have to have a little bit of will, but if you have the knowledge, it's just so empowering to be able to start creating your own recipes. And these formulas are really meant to just get people started. Once you practice these a few times, then you'll start developing the confidence to try different things, to sort of say, oh, I I know I can do this. This is Pam Anderson, and she has a revised, updated edition of her book, a classic in its category, How to Cook Without a Book, all about what our theme is on this show no stress cooking on a weeknight. What can you throw together? What if somebody comes over? What if you pick up the phone? You just want some company. We love this kind of thing. And so we were, we were glad you revised this, Pam. How about, what's it called? Shove it in the oven. Give me an example of something you would shove in the oven. I developed a recipe a while back, sausages and white beans cassoulet style. And I found that if I just threw in the sausages, the onion, the garlic, a little balsamic vinegar for the acidity, olive oil to enrich and to saute, cherry tomatoes, which don't disintegrate right away. They just sit there. I found that the dish could saute at the beginning, and then as those tomatoes break down, it created this, like, lovely stew, and all I had to do was throw everything in the pot. I use a heavy-duty roasting pan. After 45 minutes of just cooking, I threw in the white beans, and it was done. It was the most effortless dish I think I've ever made. So let me make sure I understand. You started it on the stovetop, and had you... You don't even start it in the stovetop. You just take the things, throw it in the roasting pan, shove it in the oven, boom. 45 (laughs) minutes later, you've got an an amazing dinner, (laughs) and an amazing dinner that I've served to family and to rave reviews to company. Wow, I like this. I I was like, well, if I can do it with sausage, I could probably try it with chicken thighs, right? This is like being a human crock pot. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's right. Who needs all those specialty appliances? You know, I can use my oven as a slow cooker. I can use my oven as a modified pressure cooker. Just stick with your oven. It's a... Wow, shoving in the oven. This is so good. Let's think of another one we could do. Could be anything. It could be pork. It could be beef. Uh, Piece of fish. Salmon. Mm -hmm. Cook all your vegetables, and then you throw the shrimp and the fish in. And so it's the same thing. You just add that in at the very end. You can do like potatoes and cabbage and kielbasa and do it that way. 
You can do a chicken with spring vegetables where you take leeks and carrots and mushrooms and finish it off with a little cream, maybe use a little tarragon flavoring. I give you the basic formula that you can work with and sort of the rules of the road and five or six examples of what it might look like. I just love the theory of throwing a bunch of things in a pot and assuming that it's going to work out. (laughs) And (laughs) with the heat treatment, right, Chris? It does, does, in fact, work out. I was just thinking about, is it Roy Finnemore? It's in the cookbook Food 52. He does something called, I think it's Forever Broccoli, and you cook it for a thousand years. I think it was four hours. I I just did this a couple Sundays ago. Four hours with anchovies, olive oil, and red pepper, and you just let let it simmer forever. It falls apart. It goes past what would be mush into something so luxurious. Mm. So there's something magic Uh he's he's saying to us about heat. And Pam is saying to us, you just shoved that sausage with those ingredients into the oven and a magic thing came out. That's pretty great. A lot of people think they have to wait till Sunday night to have a roast dinner. You can roast vegetables in 20 or 30 minutes, right? Well, what are the cuts that are small enough that will roast in the same time as those vegetables so that you've actually got kind of a weeknight roast dinner as opposed to always having to wait for Sunday to have the special roast dinner? Things like pork tenderloin, even a really big, thick steak. I create like a basic spice rub that you put on the meat so that it colors it and it's got a little sugar in it, a little paprika, some salt, pepper, some garlic powder. You coat it in that and then put that in with your cheap pan of vegetables, and you've got a complete meal. Again, at foodschmooze.org, you'll see three of Pam's ideas for kind of weeknight cooking without all the pizzazz and stress that goes, you're busy, you're exhausted, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't even feel like cooking, and that's why we're featuring how to cook without a book. Let me do a little test with you. If I said, what is the fastest but delicious way that I could make an instant pizza with stuff on the top. What bread would you use? I really like the non bread. The Indian bread, yeah. Mm. Yes. Great. And then what would be quick and easy for a topping? One of the things that I almost always have in my refrigerator these days are caramelized onions. I do four onions at a time, and I always have those because I can use them on so many things. Obviously, they're wonderful on pizza. Thank you, Pam. Pam Anderson, How to Cook Without a Book. Thank you for coming back on the show. May you have lots of stress-free cooking. (laughs) It's been a delight. Thank you. Never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Come to my